0: You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us.
1: Um, There are some of you I don't recognize. My name is Jay. I'm the lead pastor. Hello. It's so great to have you here. We're really, really glad that you've chosen to worship the Lord with us this morning, and we hope you feel welcome here, because you absolutely are. So that being said, um, we're just going to dive right into things this morning. This is our Vision Sunday, where we very deliberately take some time to talk about where God seems to be leading us as a church. And really, we're doing that all the time in the course of the year, but we devote this morning especially to trying to look forward to where God seems to be leading us. And so with that in mind, I saw a movie last weekend that I know many of you saw as well that I thought was just an outstanding movie, and it was this one right here. Who has seen Top Gun Maverick? I know you have, because on opening weekend at The Hood, on Saturday night, all of you were there. I mean, it was a grace screening of Top Gun Maverick. I'm sitting in my chair there, minding my own business, behaving myself, and him comes the text, hey, I'm sitting three rows ahead of you, and I look, and oh, hey, how are you? And... Another text comes in, hey, I'm 10 rows behind you. Oh, how are you? you? know. And then I started looking around going, wait a minute, this is a little weird. They're from grace, they're from grace, they're from grace, they're from grace. A lot of people want to see this movie from grace, evidently. And secondly, I better behave myself. There's too many people here who know me. <laughs> so that being said, when the original Top Gun came out, I was 18 years old. And some of you weren't even born right? I mean, it's been a long time for this to be the sequel. And most of the time, sequels aren't that great, if we can just be honest. But I think this one's better than the original. I loved it. In fact, I loved it so much. Thank you. And you're welcome, Tom Cruise. I came back a second night. So I, saw, I only saw it twice on the same weekend. And it's not even a Marvel movie. Come on, right? But it was outstanding. And one of the many things about it that 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 moved me was that it was inspirational. And what inspired me about it in particular was, and I promise I won't spoil it for those of you who haven't seen it yet, but was that Tom Cruise, who plays this this ex-Top Gun pilot, who's now this test pilot, who now is called back to Top Gun, as they're laying out this mission for him and the other Top Gun pilots, he's gonna eventually lead on it. They're walking through all these parameters and it's, it's an impossible mission. It really is. And there's this very pregnant pause that he takes as they're walking him through all the logistics of this and what it's going to mean and what it's going to cost and require and he looks at the generals and says someone's not coming back from this maybe no one is coming back from this and yet these former top gun pilots and I won't say any more so I don't spoil the movie for you if you haven't seen it they all sign on knowing it's going to cost them That they're gonna have to sacrifice to do it, that they're gonna have to learn to work together as a team, and that they are literally gonna have to lay their lives on the line for the people next to them, and someone is not coming back, and it very well could be them. And as I looked at that, and as I was just thinking about how inspiring that was, I was struck with the reality that that's our story. We are called to be a community that has been so transformed by the power of Jesus Christ in our lives that we are willing to lay down our lives for one another. Is that is that true for you? Would you make that kind of a sacrifice for the people around you right now? For me? Would I do that for you? And yet that is Jesus' vision for us in part as a church, as a community. And so we thought it was very appropriate and necessary on a vision Sunday that we go back to what is Jesus's vision for us? And let me pose a question to you as we begin to think meaningfully about that. If you knew this was your last day, your last day on earth, and you could pray for the people you love, what would you pray for them? And now you have the context and the setting for this prayer we're going to look at. This is Jesus' longest recorded prayer that we have. And it's his broadest in scope and breadth. He prays for himself, and then he prays for the 11 disciples, and then he prays for you, and he prays for me. So on the last night of his life on earth, what did Jesus pray for us? It was what he envisioned us becoming and being as a community. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. This is John chapter 17. We'll start with the first five verses and then work through them. So after Jesus said this, he had been talking to the disciples, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come, glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. So in that passage, in those verses, there's a word that appears over and over and over again. What is it? Glory or glorified, you get a gold star. Yep, that's exactly right. Glory, glory, glory. Five times it's repeated in this passage, which begs the question, what is it? What does it mean? What is is glory? And in a simple dictionary type of definition, it is, let me make sure I get this absolutely right. It is um, majesty, greatness, splendor, it's really about the power and the presence of God. That, that is his glory. And everything emanates from that. And don't we see that picture all throughout the Bible of God's glory? Isn't the Bible all about God's glory? I mean, think with me for a minute. We go back to the book of beginnings. We go back to Genesis. Adam and Eve are in the garden. Everything is shalom. It's the way God always intended it to be. They sin. They wrong God and themselves by disobeying God, by not choosing to trust him. They eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Sin, death, disease, disaster enters the world at that point, And God necessarily casts them out of the garden. And now the world is broken. It's not the way God intended it to be. We broke it and he... Is going to fix it. And so it's this picture of this God who now puts in motion the divine rescue mission that's talked about in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where he himself will restore and fix and redeem and renew the world to what it was always intended to be. And it starts with God getting closer and closer and closer to his people as a result. Do you remember back with me to Exodus where on, in? Um, In Exodus 24, God's presence manifests on Mount Sinai when Moses goes up there to get the Ten Commandments, and there's fire and smoke and lightning and thunder, and it's the very presence of God. And then as we progress further in the Old Testament, we see now the presence of God comes even closer to the people in what's called the tabernacle, basically a tent. And it was called, literally, the tent of meeting, where Moses would go outside the camp of the people to meet with God. But that's not close enough. If you read further in the Old Testament, now the tabernacle moves right in the middle of the community of people. And then they build a more permanent structure called a temple, and God's power and presence inhabits that. But there's this promise that God's going to get even closer than that. And then in the Gospel of John, we hear about this one who comes and tabernacles among us, which that literally is translated, he pitched his tent right in the middle of us. And who is that? That's Jesus. Fully God, fully man, now come to be even closer to his people. And then his death, burial, and resurrection happens, and he rises again to new life. And now it tells us in the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that you and I are the temple of God because the presence of God now lives within us if we will respond to him and receive him into our lives. A picture of a God who gets closer and closer and closer and who wants such intimacy with us that he enters into us. This against the backdrop of that whole sacrificial system in the Old Testament. Always sacrificing things. What's that about? And then that culminates in what was known as the Day of Atonement. Once a year in Leviticus chapter 16 where the priest, who represented God to the people and the people to God, Symbolically, puts his hands on a goat and transfers the brokenness, the selfishness, the sin of the people onto this goat and then they let it go out in the wild and it never comes back and it's called the scapegoat. That's where that word comes from. And then he takes a lamb and places his hands symbolically on the lamb and transfers the sins and brokenness of the people to the lamb and then that lamb is sacrificed so that the people's sins are paid for. And taken care of. So, this picture of this God who removes sin by paying for it, all that looking forward to one day the true Lamb of God would come. And in John chapter 3, it tells us he did come in Jesus, God Himself, who sacrifices Himself as the perfect Lamb to remove our sin and brokenness, to pay for it, atone for it, and in return, give us power for right living the way He always intended it to be through knowing him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. We just read that. Which begs the question, do you? Do you know God? Not know about him. And we always draw that distinction deliberately because it's necessary. There's different levels of knowing, right? Not knowing about God, but knowing him as your God. Is that true for you? Many of you know that I've been together with my Jamie and my wife for a long time. We started dating in high school and college and then got married. So we've literally been together for 36 years. We've been married for 30 And I know Jamie in ways that I did not know 36 years ago and vice versa. Because this word that talks about knowing God is the same word that is described about the knowing between a husband and a wife. It's the deepest level of relational intimacy. You see, 36 years ago, I thought my wife had one smile. She actually has four. (laughs) I get one. There's a smile that is just for me, and it's the best one, of course. She has a smile in particular for our kids. She has a smile for her pets, which I have no idea why, but she loves animals. I guess that's why she married and domesticated me. And then <laughs> and then, she has a smile for when she's just happy. You probably don't know that about my wife, but I know my wife in ways... You never will. You better not. (laughs) And her with me. That is the type of intimacy that's being described here with what it means to know God. Jesus knows and chose you, but he wants you to know and choose him. And when you and I do that, when we receive Jesus Christ into our life as our God and choose to trust and obey and follow him, then we become part of a new family and a new community. And it's called the church. And now we're gonna see what Jesus prayed for the church and for you and for me. He prayed this for us 2,000 years ago. My prayer is not for them alone. He's talking about the 11 disciples and unfortunately we don't have time to look at his prayer for them. But this is what he prays for us. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, you and me, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I'm in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought together to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, I've read this prayer a number of times. We've looked at this prayer when we've journeyed through the gospel of John in its entirety some years ago. I have never appreciated or really seen what Jesus says he gives us here. He gives us his glory. Did you catch that? If you know God through Jesus Christ, if he's your God, Then you have His power, you have His very presence, and because of that, you have His glory in your life, which tangibly means that you have a new identity. Jesus Christ is the absolute only one who gives you an identity that you receive, your true identity not an identity you have to achieve. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ is the only one who gives you an identity that is received, not an identity that is achieved. Because right now in our broken culture, our culture is looking for identity and however they can define it and however they can find it. One example of that is social media. Social media is all about crafting and curating and developing and projecting This identity that you try to create for yourself and it's self perpetuating. And the really fascinating thing about it is it's so unsatisfying. It's a treadmill you can never get off. You were constantly trying to post this or post that, or again, curate and craft how other people view and perceive you because you're striving for this identity. Do you realize you don't have to live like that? The value that you have as a child of God, created in God's image, gifted, loved, adopted, cherished, protected, sacrificed for, comes through Jesus Christ. And when you understand that, when you get that, when you and I live that out, then we live entirely differently than those who are still trying to find their identity. It's it's life-changing. It's transformational. Because when you radiate And display his glory as his child when you know him and live out of the power of his Holy Spirit, choosing to trust and obey him, then you can be last when everyone else is fighting to be first. You can serve instead of expecting to always be served. You can stop focusing on getting and getting and getting. And ironically, the more you get, the less satisfied you are. And you want more and you want more and you want more. Instead of living like that, you can actually be someone who gives. Instead of being someone who hurts other people, when you see a need, you actually help. Rather than criticize or cancel or whatever our broken culture does. And you can live like that because Jesus has given you his glory. And you know who gets this, who is living this out in a powerful, profound way? It's our students. You've got to hear some of what's going on. So I've invited Logan Benfield to come on up. He volunteers his time as one of our um, student ministry leaders. He's upstairs, he needs to repent and come back downstairs. <laughs> because I need to interview him. Would you mind grabbing him? Yeah. But there is a great story here, and while we're waiting for Logan, do me a favor. When he comes in, everybody clap. We got to tease him. We got to tease him. But that being said, Logan is homegrown. He grew up here, literally. He grew up with my kids on my watch. A number of sleepovers at our house and all sorts of things. I've seen him become the man of God that he is now. And now he is giving back, like so many of you do, to this community that he has received so much from. And he has an incredibly compelling story to tell you of what is going on in the lives of our students. Sorry
0: about
1: that. No, that's okay. So... Yeah, he's actually, you know, being with students and doing his job. Thank you, Pastor a bit, Matt. A little bit. Yes. A little bit. Check. So there we go. You have the unique experience of being celebrated and fired all in the same service. I mean, this is just... <laughs> you know, I, I aim high. Yeah, aim high. That's, right. yeah. that's right. That's right. Why, that's why you're one of us, Logan. Yeah, thank you. thank you. So I've told a little bit of your story of you've grown up here. You're <laughs> homegrown. I was homegrown at, at my church and got to give back to that and the students there. And I just, I know how rich that is. So, so, yeah, it is. tell us about that. Why do you love being with students?
0: Oh, man. Well, I, um, you know, have the incredible opportunity to, to serve these incredible students, and a lot of the reason that I just want to do that so desperately is because of my experience growing up in Grace Community Church. Um, I'm not that old, but I've gone here for 20-ish years and uh, had the opportunity to do Awanas in this room and to learn from so many members of this community that as I look at our students, I see that they live in a world where they need guidance and they need shepherding in what Hmm. um, Jay was talking about with social media, with all the things that we are inundated with in our lives. Our students need people to come around them and support them and to shepherd them through that. And so because of that, I just, I, I feel this pull to serve them and to be with them and to to hopefully share a little bit of who God is in my life and what he's done for me so that they can make the gospel louder in their own lives.
1: And you're modeling
0: that by how you
1: serve them. So how have they been serving? This is kind of a story that's behind the scenes that's just so compelling to me. How are they they living out the glory of God by serving other people?
0: Yeah, so as we attempt to make the gospel louder in our lives in, in student ministry, one of the ways that we do that is through serving. And serving not only each other, but serving the community um, and serving the body of Christ. And so we have our serve weeks. Um, We just wrapped one up where we served in the the Hogan Road Community Garden. Um, We did our um, yearly, I guess, um, encouragement cards. um, Writing where we wrote encouragement cards to members of our Grace community. Um, We have opportunities for our students to serve on the worship team, both upstairs and down here. And so there's so many opportunities for our students to serve. But within all of that, we encourage them to serve with humility. We encourage them to serve as we have the perfect model of service in Jesus because as they do that, they're not only glorifying God, but they're making a statement that that is who Jesus is to them and that Jesus is working in their lives through the, through the opportunities that they get to serve.
1: And I received one of those encouragement cards and it meant so much to me. And I thought, you know, I'm supposed to be encouraging you and here you are encouraging me. Thank you so, so very much. Of course, of course, yeah. You know, Timothy... Four twelve says, "Do not let anyone look down on you because you were young, right. but set an example yes. for the believers in speech, yeah. life, love, faith, and purity." Yeah. That's what our students are doing. Exactly. How do, you, how do you see them doing that as we head into the future?
0: Here. Exactly. That's um, such a great point. And as we've we look to the future, we've had some, um, as we've come back from COVID and um, kind of resumed things more fully, we've had the opportunity to open up, um, you know, our Wednesday nights to our students, and because of that our students are inviting their friends and their friends are inviting their friends. And there have been some Wednesday nights where we kind of feel like we are at capacity. We, we can't hold any more in that room upstairs. And so because of that, starting in September, we're gonna be splitting middle school and high school. Um, we're gonna have, Tuesday nights are gonna be for our middle school ministry. Wednesday nights are gonna be for our, our high school ministry. And so in that opportunity, we get to tailor the messages that we share with our students. You know, maybe you know this, a sixth grader is a little bit different than a 12th grader. Um, and because of that, they need different things. I know it's a shock. It's a shock. But um, we get the opportunity to share messages that would be more tailored to who, what they need, what a middle schooler needs to, as they step into high school, and what a high schooler needs as they step out into the world beyond the eight hours a day they spend learning in school. And so we get to, I, I mean, I get to, alongside the incredible team of leaders that Stephen has put together, serve and do small groups and foster their relationships with Jesus and give them opportunities to serve so that they can make the gospel louder in their own lives. And so not only louder in their own lives, but louder in the the lives of those around them. Many of you have students in the student ministry, and my goal is that they come home to you guys and to see, and that you can see, the gospel becoming louder in their lives. Amen. Because it's not just them making the gospel louder for their friends, but it's also for you and for for, for the family members that they have. And so that's the goal that we're looking forward to in the the fall. And we hope that, you know, as as a community, you'll continue to pray for us and you'll continue to help us build up our students as they step into the world that asks so much of them.
1: Absolutely. That is so well said, Logan. And something we're looking forward to as we expand our programming, as this ministry continues to grow and is growing, is like you mentioned in the fall, we'll go to some yeah. focused middle school and high school programming. And um, up to a year ago, we had a middle school ministry leader position in our budget, but with being in COVID and things being contracted and being restricted, we shuffled some of that money around with the intent that at some point when it was needed, we'd bring that role back. This new budget that we're headed towards in September, hopefully, is going to do just that. Yep. And you have offered to step into that role for us, which we're very excited about. I don't know when you're going to sleep with teaching at East and everything else you do, but you know. You need to sleep. Sleep's overrated. It is overrated. It's yeah. for the week. Yeah, it's for the week. <laughs> sleep's sleep for the week. Please don't write that down. Logan, thank you. Yes, of course. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. You. So that's so very exciting and very. Compelling to me, because as we radiate God's glory, we also live out something else that Jesus prayed for us. If you notice this when we read this passage a little earlier, all of them may be one, Father. And he also went on to pray so that they may be brought to complete unity. As a community, we are to be distinct in our unity. And unity isn't something that just happens, especially with what we've seen these last few years. I was talking with someone who's been at Grace far longer than I have. And they were observing to me that all the seasons that we've been through as a culture, as a church, that they had never seen something like COVID. And I think that's probably true for all of us. With all the issues and all the complexities involved with with COVID and all that meant for all of us, it also introduced a lot of division and a lot of difficulty. It split families it split churches. I mean, in all fairness, let's call a horse a horse. It was incredibly difficult. And the elders passionately believe that one of the necessary things that we need to lean into as a church family in the wake of COVID is our unity. Because unity doesn't just happen. You've got to work for it. You've got to promote it. You've got to protect it. You've got to invest into it. And you've got to, you've got to live it out. And one of the amazing things about the unity we have in, in Jesus Christ as a unique community who loves and knows him is that people on the outside looking in should look at us and see us and legitimately ask, How does that work? How do such different people love one another and do, do life together? Because unity is not uniformity. It doesn't mean we all dress the same, act the same, think the same. That's just weird. But unity is about reuniting around those higher values and finding purpose and mission and community and relationship through them. And there's a tremendous story that's going on in the life of our church that you need to hear about. So I'm going to invite Gabe Myers to come forward now. Gabe, as you know, is um, on our preaching team. He is our Hispanic Ministries pastor. He's one of the elder candidates that we're considering bringing on to the the elder team Um, in this season, and Gabe, thanks for taking time and making time to share some of what's going on with Comunidad. You may or may not know this, especially if this is your first Sunday or you're newer to Grace. Um, we do have Hispanic ministries here at Grace. In particular, we have a third service, which is in Spanish, and yet what happens every Sunday in that service, and really through the course of the week in that community, is remarkable. Would you speak to that? How is Comunidad diverse and unified?
2: Yeah, Uh, when I think about just the idea of the gospel brings people together, Uh, the picture of Philemon and Onesimus in the Bible where uh, he is the owner and uh, Onesimus is the slave, they meet together in in a church setting where they're brothers. And the outsiders can look at that and say, how is that possible? How does that that work? Yeah, Yeah. how is that possible? Um, When I think of what comunidad is like, uh, imagine in this room, English is kind of, is our common language, uh, but if you had uh, people from Texas, New Orleans, uh, Southern California, New York, New Zealand, Australia, Britain, or England, right? And all in the same room, and that's if that was what it was like, that's kind of a, a small taste of what comunidad is like, because you've got people who would sit over here who are from Michoacan, Mexico. They they speak Purépecha as their native language. Uh, Then you've got people who would sit over here. They're from Yucatan. They speak their native language, Maya. Uh, And then you've got people in the mix that are from uh, Ciudad de Mexico. They're city folk, and some of them have their own dialects, their own languages. Add to that uh, mix of Guatemalans and El Salvador and then South America, Argentina, Paraguay, uh, Peru. It's just a very diverse people down there you, uh, when they think of what a burrito is, it's it's a little donkey, right? It's not something you eat. <laughs> um, so it's just very very different. Yeah. And and if you were to go outside at a park or whatever, um, interacting among those different groups of people oftentimes doesn't even happen because they're so different. And yet here, um, because of the gospel, we are family. And you come in, and it's not just coming here on Sunday morning, but it's midweek living together, uh, sharing life together. People going and people from upper class, lower class, they hang out, they eat, they just spend time together. It's an amazing display of the gospel. And you've helped me understand that many of these people groups would never associate together,
1: would never go to church together, have community together. So when Someone walks in the comunidad, if they have any kind of Hispanic background, they were, or they are Hispanic, they would be amazed at what they see.
2: On a weekly basis, we have people who come in, and oftentimes they're like, I didn't know. I didn't know. I had no idea that this was happening. And it's just they're impressed. They're just impressed at, I think, the gospel It's what it is. It's just how is this possible, that idea. And it draws people. Well, in that drawing, what's remarkable to me
1: is that community lot has now grown right back to where you were prior to COVID.
2: Yeah. Yep. About before COVID, we had about 160 people meeting here, average, and now we're at that number again. Um, and there are people who aren't back, and there are new people who have come in. So it's it's. That's exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: So part of what we as a church, comunidad, the English services, have put our weight behind is an entity called Immigrant Connection. Would you talk about that? What is that? And why is that so fundamental? Why is that a justice issue that yeah. we've
2: decided to lean into? So oftentimes, um, just in having conversations with people who are Hispanic in the area, you'll, uh, you'll hear something like, uh, my mom in Mexico has cancer. She's 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 you know about to die, and the question is, well, you know, are you going to go see her? Are you? And oftentimes, that's the answer is no, and the reason why is usually because of a lack of documentation, and that ha- it's, And if, if they were to go back, they'd go see mom, but then they couldn't come back. And I've have I've seen this happen. <laughs> where people go and they can't come back. And they've got kids here, wife here, or just people they really love, and they just can't come back. Um, so the gospel is about bringing people from brokenness to trying to be part of the solution. And Immigrant Connection has been one of those big pieces for, for, for the community here. Just to see people, just in the past month, we've had three examples in comunidad of people who have been able to uh, get residency or work towards it. And it's just exciting. Uh, Chewy's example, after 28, uh, tw- 30 years, uh, he had applied multiple times, and he had applied, and this time he was about to give up, talk, talk, talk to the lawyer say, you know what, Just if I can get any money back, because it's not going to happen. Well, he called me a few weeks ago and said, can I bring some food to Comunidad? I'd like to celebrate. I have my residency. <laughs> and it's just, it's just huge. It's it a is huge, huge life change for people.
1: Well, yeah. you've helped me
2: understand that
1: The traditional route to getting documentation of any kind is this legal morass. You have to hire a lawyer. You have to spend tens of thousands of dollars usually. And you can still go through that a multi-year process and not have anything to show for it. An immigrant connection is a government-sanctioned, Justice Department-approved entity to simplify the process. And for hundreds of dollars.
2: Yeah. It's usually 20%. 20%
1: 20% of the cost. Yeah, of the cost. And probably yeah. 20% of the time. Yeah. So folks who want to pursue legal documentation have a path to do
2: so. Yeah, and it's, it's a path to do so, but it's also connected to the gospel. Absolutely. Because people ask, well, why would you do this? After so many disillusioned attempts or whatever, why would you be so kind to help? And it gives a great opportunity to share Christ, which is what Immigrant Connection is doing really well.
1: That is so, so very exciting. Yeah. So, Gabe, anything else that you would want us to know about what's going on with Communidad? for you as you look to the future.
2: Just, um, I, I'm super grateful uh, for this family. Just the, the love that is shown towards, uh, towards people that are often even not seen. And uh, to be able to say, your, your family here uh, come in and just, uh, I see relations, relationships being built, I think of Logan sitting here mm-hmm. and how many kids will be there Wednesday night hanging out from the Hispanic side in the youth group and just other areas where we're bridging relationships. What a better way to reach our community um, than to be unified.
1: Amen. And one of the ways we display that unity is to, is to worship together. And we used to do that every so often prior to COVID and then COVID reared its ugly head and kind of put an end to that, but we're bringing that back. So Gabe and I want to personally invite you to, a combined service we're going to do well, all three services, we're just going to have one service that day. It'll be 1045, so it'll be the time that you had this morning for this service. We'll be outside in the sun on August 14th and we'll have a tent or something to provide shade for you. Maybe I'll just, you know, anyway. And... (laughs) It'll be one service, one church. We're going to have food. It's just, it's going to be a lot of fun. You don't need to remember this date. You can write it down or put it in your phone if you want to. We'll talk about it as it gets closer. But we are going to bring back every so often worshiping and doing life together as a community. And Gabe's going to be preaching that morning. It's just going to be an epic time.
2: Uh, Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun.
1: It is going to be a lot of fun. Gabe, thank you so much. Thank you. So, we're called to this unity because we are a community. That, that's what Jesus was praying for. You know, all the language in this part of the prayer is plural, it, it's, about, it's about us. And as we reflect and radiate the glory of God because we know Him, because we, we love Him, it irresistibly draws people to, to God because they see that there's something different about this community. We do not worship our broken culture's trinity of me, myself, and I. That's the trinity of our culture. We worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we get our capacity for community and unity and relationship from God. God is a perfect unity. God is perfect community. God is in perfect, perfect relationship, and he calls us into that relationship and into community with one another. You've got to hear about what's going on in community here at Grace, how we're trying to make that more accessible and real for people, but how to make that as broad as we can as well. So I'm gonna invite Becca to come on up. This is Becca Lambert. She leads our hospitality team. And you, please have a seat. You and your family have been coming here about five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you reminded me of that last service. Yep. Mary D'Andrew, two yes. two kiddos.
3: Yep, yep, ages two and three. Thanks for <laughs>
1: keeping the church going. We appreciate that. <laughs> So that being said, Mm -hmm. tell me, um, since you're also on our small group, um, our communities, or rather our Communities at Grace Mm -hmm. leadership team, can you tell us where we're at with drawing people into small groups and creating small groups for people to find that community? How many people would you guesstimate are in small group community or Communities at Grace community right now? Uh,
3: This last year involved in communities specifically, Communities at Grace, uh, we had about 40% of our congregation involved. Wow. Wow. Uh, in those, and then under the larger umbrella of small group communities, we have about 70% of the congregation involved in some way, whether it's a fellowship group, prayer group, Bible study, anything like that.
1: Those are those are exciting numbers. That's yeah. one of the highest percentages of people we've had in small groups in the history of our church. I mean, mm-hmm. as much as we can gauge things yeah. right now, that's yeah. really, really exciting. Yeah. So what is your vision? What is the team's vision for mm-hmm. expanding Communities at Grace, how are we looking to do that, especially when we put our weight behind that mm-hmm. in the fall again?
3: Yeah, so our team's hope that is through those currently in communities um, and those not currently that we could raise up like probably seven to ten leaders uh, to begin their own groups this fall. Um, and the vision for these groups is to take what we learned during the sermon and what we learned during our lesson together and apply it to our lives in a very practical way um, And we, so we practice together and what this does is grows us in spiritual maturity and transforms us to be more like Jesus. Uh, and, and that's our goal.
1: Absolutely. And there's a level of growth discipleship, if we want to call it that, that you can only get in a smaller community, as important as this is for all of us, this isn't the only expression of community that matters. Yeah. Small group community absolutely matters. And we understand that all of us will go through seasons or stages of life where it's just not possible to be in a small group community. We, we, we get that. Yeah. But if you can, we want to encourage you to find that smaller, more intimate community for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So let's shift gears just a little bit. So we have a number of folks here who are newer to grace, especially mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. And we're very deliberately trying to lean into what we call hospitality, but that's mm-hmm. creating Avenues, ways for people to engage in community right away, to extend relationship to people. Tell us how we're doing that. What's that look like?
3: On Sunday mornings, we've got someone to greet everybody at the door. We also have our Next Steps kiosk in the lobby um, for those who are newer here to get an introduction, get a a gift, um, a free coffee, even. Um, And then after every service every Sunday, we have our Next Steps gathering. Uh, in the cafe where you can go and just connect with someone on a deeper level. They can connect you to someone else, and that's, that's how we invite people into the life of the church.
1: Which is fantastic, and we're trying yeah. to be very deliberate about yeah. that. So something else we're trying to be deliberate about is how we individually can be a part of, of bringing people into community and extending community. Would yeah. you talk about those values of being a bringer and mm-hmm. being an includer?
3: Yeah, so that's something that I'm trying to do myself, that I'm trying to lead my team in and bring all of you alongside me in. As um, being an includer, when you walk in the service, something easy you can do, just turn around, look for someone you don't recognize and say, hey, I haven't met you yet how long have you been going to Grace, and just start a conversation. Um, Those are the little things that we can do every Sunday um, that really make people feel included and connected to the church body.
1: So also that value of bringing, Mm -hmm. what what does that look like?
3: Yeah, um, whether it's inviting neighbors, getting Mm. to know your neighbors enough to invite them uh, into events that we have, to church on a Sunday, um, that's the larger definition of hospitality not just in church but outside of the church bringing people in
1: absolutely and it seems like in the wake of covid people are hungrier for community than they ever have been and it's a great opportunity for us to extend that community and be community to them thank you so much for all the work that your team is doing it's making a difference and we greatly appreciate it and thanks for thanks for sharing some we appreciate that too thank you thank you very much love it So, it's easy in a church our size to think, I hope the rest of the people here were listening to that. I I hope they heard that. It's easy to think that someone else is going to do this besides us. But the reality is, to be a community, to receive community, you've got to extend it as well. So, let's get really specific about this. Our hope is if you were able to, that you will plan on being in a community at Grace or a small group of some kind when we really put our weight behind those again this next fall. But you can start living this out today. Today, before you leave, would you find someone who you don't know or don't recognize or just someone sitting next to you and engage them in community conversation if you haven't already? And this month, will you consider bringing someone into our community? Because all truly are, are welcome here, and we want to expand this community. But that being said, to do these things that we've talked about, what you've heard from Logan and Becca and Gabe does does take resources. And so I just want to quickly shift gears and talk about how this next budget that we're hoping to approve and head towards come September is going to help us do this. Because again, the vision for our church doesn't serve the budget. The budget serves the vision. And I want to talk about specifically where we're going to go. Like your family, this family has expenses that go up every year, utilities, whatever. We've crafted this budget to hopefully address those. We have a number of missionaries who we um, support literally all over the world. Two in particular, the Mormances who serve in Slovenia. Um, we want to increase their support. And Matt Mormance is going to be back in town. And am I right, Matt? He'll be joining us next Next Sunday, we'll get to hear from Matt Mormance directly. So for those of you who don't know him, you'll get to put a name and a face together. We want to increase our support for the Mormances and the Veselecs who serve in, in Asia. Um, we're already invested in an entity called My Father's House, but we would like to give more resources to this. And super quick, My Father's House is a nonprofit. Um Christian homeless shelter here in our community that literally takes 40 people off the street, 40 families in particular, and gives them shelter, job training, life skills, and gets them back on their feet and then spins them back into the community to live independently. They have a 75% success rate, which is light years beyond any government funded entity. And we're already a part of that. We think that's compelling. Yeah. And we'd like to be a greater part of that. So we're giving more resources to that. We also host a ministry here called Abuse Recovery Ministries. There's nothing like it, literally, in East County. We get to be a part of that. We want to increase our resources for that. You heard directly from um, Logan that our student ministries are growing. So are our children's ministries. We'd like to leverage more resources for both of those. We're a part of an entity called Serve East County, which we've been an initiator of where we get to join together with a number of other churches here in our community. In fact, it's coming this summer. You've heard us already talk about it. Come on up, worship team. We'd like to leverage more resources towards this. We've, we've put money towards it from other entities. We'd like this to become a consistent part of our budget. Same with Immigrant Connection. You heard about that from Gabe. We support that through our our fellowship fund at times and through other direct donations, but we would like to add this into our budget as well because we think it's compelling and deserves our resources. We're also giving a 3% cost of living increase to our staff with the inflation we're all up against. we, We love and value our staff and we wanna at least be able to do that. You heard when we talked with Logan about bringing back this part-time middle school ministry leader because now we need it again with the growth of student ministry and what we're doing with our fall programming to make it junior high, junior and high school specific. And you heard from Gabe about the growth of community. We want to put some more weight behind that as well. We want to bring in a part-time ministry leader and a student ministry assistant because community just continues to grow and we want to get behind that and be a part of that. That in short form is where we're going with with this budget. It is a 1.9% increase. The elders believe really um, firmly that this is something we can do, but I'd like to talk practically about what that looks like. So there are a number of you who give consistently to our mission and vision, God bless you. We are so thankful for that. That's what enables us to leverage the things that we've talked about here. But we do have some expense controls like we always do built into this budget. We will not hire, in particular, those part-time personnel roles until we have the money to pay for them. And that's in part how we're meeting budget currently is we're a little bit behind um, on the giving side of our budget and have been for most of the year, and we're just choosing not to do things in order to to meet budget, and we're actually well ahead of budget. But that's not how we want to save money. We want to invest our money into these ministries and people that are making a difference. So what is a 1.9% increase mean for us as a community? If we just go by the number of folks who give consistently to the mission and vision here at Grace, if all of us increased our giving by $15 a month, we would not only make up our current gap, we would, we would more than take care of this 1.9% increase. So let's do a little practical math. So if you're a coffee and mocha drinker, guilty as charged, both, that's three mochas a month, or maybe one lunch out a month. That's $15-ish. But even that being said, there are a number of you who are newer to grace. And yes, some of you are giving to our mission and vision faithfully and consistently. We love that. But there are a number of you who aren't. We need your help in order to be The church that we believe God's calling us to be and going where we need to go. Because again, in our church our size, it's always so easy to think someone else is going to do that and to take a pass for yourself. So whatever you can give, we ask that you would do so. And I stand before you as one who has helped craft this budget. I know it pretty well, and I'm willing to sacrifice for it personally. Jamie and I are going to be increasing our giving to help meet this because we believe it matters. And I would not stand before you and ask you to consider sacrificing and giving to it if I didn't think it mattered. It matters. Because we have a compelling story to tell about a God who wants us to know him, wants us to experience him, and wants to change our lives. And communion underscores all that we've talked about here this morning, and we're going to celebrate it together. So I'm going to ask our communion servers, our leaders, to come forward. Go ahead and do that. They're going to get the elements ready to be served to you. We're going to ask you to come forward and get these elements and take them back to your chairs and hold on to them, and then I'll I'll let us um, know how we're going to shepherd that and celebrate communion together. So we're, as we do this, we're going to sing. And we're going to sing about our story because this God who loves us and redeems us and gives us hope is our story. And it's a story we want to tell and celebrate. So let's do that together. Please come forward and receive these elements.
0: Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.